What's going on, everyone? Coach Greg here, back after a long, it's been a long vacation time. Uh, I took some trips. It's been a few weeks I've recorded, you know, since I recorded a show and uh, took a vacation, which I'll talk about in the next one because we have a lot to talk about in this one. Um, and, uh, you know, did some family stuff, did some traveling and, you know, just a lot of fun, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff and didn't want to, I know you guys were anticipating another show, but I kept you waiting. I know I did. I know I did. And we're going to jump right in on this one. Um, this is actually the 20th episode of this show of the fan up fitness and nutrition ultimate podcast show. And we're going to do, we're going to celebrate the 20th episode by debunking 20 fitness myths. And there's going to be a little bonus at the end. So stick around to the end. Um, and as always, if you love the show, please leave us a review. Love to see the reviews and, you know, share it with, share with a friend, share with a family member. If you, you know, something resonates with you or you think anyone else would benefit from the show and let's dive right in debunking 20 fitness myths for the 20th episode, starting off with number one, you guys have all probably heard this cardio is overrated and not necessary at all. Um, cardio is not overrated. I actually grew up doing a lot of cardio. I was a runner for the longest time. A lot of people don't know that. Everybody thinks I played baseball. It's like the one sport I did not play, played a lot of sports. Um, but I was a runner, you know, always trying to get faster. I was trying to run, you know, run more distance and all that stuff. And cardio is, is a, is a great, 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 great tool. It's not overrated. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's not necessary. Uh, you can lose fat. You can lose weight without cardio. Um, but it is a tool. And a lot of people don't know that it's a tool for mental clarity. Anytime, you know, I want you to think about it this way. If you get stressed or angry or whatever, like go for a walk, go for a run and see how much that like helps clear your head. And a lot of people don't realize that you can use cardio for something other than just sweating and burning a bunch of calories. So I would know, I would say not cardio is not overrated. It's definitely a great tool to use, you know, after your weightlifting session, um, to clear your head, to burn, you know, to burn a little extra calories. If you felt like you had a bad workout, um, and clear your head because you felt like you had a bad workout, stuff like that. And so, you know, cardio is definitely not overrated and I think it has its place and it's time in its place. And I think that you could use cardio. Um, now, number two is cardio is underrated and super necessary. This is kind of flipping the script. I know a lot of people that go to the gym and the first thing they eye is the treadmill or the bike or the elliptical. And that's all they do. Thinking that cardio burns calories and I'm sweating and I'm going to lose all my weight. Um, <laughs> cardio is, it's not the end all be all to weight loss or fat loss. Yes, you will burn calories on a cardio machine, but you'll actually burn close to the same amount weightlifting. Uh, maybe not all in one, you know, all in one session, but you'll burn more in the metabolic window after weightlifting or after resistance training cardio only burn when you're doing the cardio. And so, you know, that's why you feel so good. You know, you're like, you just burned a bunch of calories, which all the cardio machines lie. They're like way overestimating and all your trackers lie. They're like way overestimating how many calories you're actually burning. So you just burned a bunch of calories in this, you know, short amount of time versus weightlifting resistance training you're burning calories after the workout, you know, you're, you're only burning like a hundred, 150 during the workout. And then after the workout for four to six hours, you're burning up to the amount you would burn with, with cardio. And that, you know, leads me into my next point is a lot of people will just go in and do a bunch of cardio thinking that I need to do cardio. It'll help me lose weight. And that's not necessarily the case. And you know, the thing is like, I had an old boss. I used to work at a, a big box gym, you know, big chain. And I had an old boss that said, if people are coming in and they go straight to the treadmill or straight to the bike and they do 30 minutes and then go do something else, I'm going to assume they're training for a race. And the more and more I thought about it and the more and more I learned, you know, went on in my training and coaching career, it's totally true. Um, if you are going, you want to spend your primary energy on your primary focus. And if your focus is anything but a race, you want to start with weightlifting or resistance training. And the reason being is you will strengthen your muscles. You'll lose fat. You'll strengthen your heart. You'll, you know, strengthen your blood vessels. You know, everything in your body will get so much more efficient 
with weight training. And then you can go do cardio afterwards um, with your, you know, secondary energy. But if you're going to start with cardio, you should be training for a race. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, my doctor told me to do cardio because of cardiovascular health. If you do, if you do a lot of cardio for your cardiovascular health, good for you. Um, but you are missing out on the added benefit of adding in resistance training first and then using cardio as a tool afterwards when you're already kind of spent, not like totally spent, but kind of spent because you can go lift a bunch of weights, help strengthen your muscles, which does help with your blood flow and, you know, strengthens your heart and your organs and everything else around, which will help with your cardiovascular health. Um, and then go do your cardio when you're kind of spent. So you're already kind of warmed up and ready to train the cardiovascular system, right? You know, the first, if, you know, when I was a distance runner, the first part of the run didn't feel like a lot until you really get into it. And so that first part of your workout, if you're just training for cardiovascular health, should be some sort of resistance training to help you feel good, help you look good, you know, and then the cardio afterwards. But, you know, unless you're training for a race, do your resistance training first. And that should be a myth on here. I don't think it is. Number three, carbs make you fat. I... This will goes out to all my keto fans out there. Carbs don't make you fat. Extra calories make you fat. Um, you can cut out carbs if you want. Props to you. I could never do it. I need my pastas. I need my breads. I need everything else. Um, carbs don't make you fat, though. And the reason people... I won't even get into the reason people think this, but um, it's extra calories that make you fat. And carbs aren't super filling. So then they'll like eat a bowl of pasta and then be like, wow, I'm still hungry. And then eat a bag of chips and be like, wow, I'm still hungry. It's actually the least satiating of the macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fats. And so when you eat a bunch of carbs and you still feel hungry, and then you keep eating carbs and you keep eating carbs and you keep eating carbs, you're just adding on the calories. And that's what's making you gain weight and making you fat, not the carbs themselves. If you, does that make any sense? <laughs> But anyway, um, carbs themselves don't make you fat. There's no like biological chem you know, chemical thing that happens in your body that's like, oh, your body's like, oh, this is a carb, we're gonna store it as fat. It's actually harder for your body to store carbs as fat than other things. So carbs don't make you fat, extra calories do. Uh, number four, rest days are not necessary. I fell into this trap when I first started working out. I thought I had to work out all the time and work out with such intensity, like two a days, two hours at a time. Rest days are super, super, super necessary. Um, if you're putting in the effort, you should be. You should need a rest day. Uh, and on those rest days, you're not just like laying around on the couch eating potato chips. You're, you're doing what's called active recovery which is, you know, going for a walk or, you know, maybe doing a little bit, a little like a yoga workout or something like something small that keeps you moving and like help, helps you stretch out, recover. You know, you're not just like laying around because when you lay around is, you know, that's when that onset, the Dom's effect, delayed onset muscle soreness comes on. And then you're like, holy crap, like I should never go that hard again, blah, 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 blah. Um, so rest days are super necessary. And, but only if you're putting the effort in, right? If you half-ass it every single day at the gym, you can go seven days a week. Um, but if you are putting in the effort every single time, you should get to the end of the week and be like, okay, you know, I need a couple of days to just go for walks, maybe go for a hike, go for a bike ride, and then, you know, get back at it again next Monday. Number five, morning workouts are best for your metabolism. <laughs> I love, I love some of these myths because... I read them and it makes me laugh because when I first started, before I was certified in any of this stuff, when I just was working on my own and I listened to like my college friends, I used to believe this stuff. And it's crazy like what is put out into the world. And I, you know, I was like, oh, morning workouts, like fasted cardio, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's the deal. Morning workouts, night workouts, middle of the day workouts in the grand scheme of everything it does not matter when you work out now this myth is morning workouts are best for your metabolism um 
everybody's metabolism diff- is different. Everybody's digestion is different. Everybody's in, you know, indigestion is different. Everybody's everything is different. I used to be able to wake up and work out with no food, fasted, fasted workouts, fasted cardio. Now, I, if I try to work out with no food in my system, I feel like crap. I feel like trash. And I've, you know, we've worked with a lot of people who are one, one end of the spectrum versus the other end of the spectrum. Now, in terms of just morning workouts in general, our best for your metabolism, morning workouts, I think in my experience are best for waking you, waking you up, um, and getting your metabolism going. If you just wake up and you sit around all day, your metabolism is just going to be like, okay, whatever, which is actually why people suggest wake up, drink some water, go for a walk, you know, seek water, seek sunlight, see movement. So you can wake the rest of your body up because while you're physically awake and your eyes are open, the rest of your body might be like, all right, well, we're taking our time, which is why some people don't get hungry in the morning. Um, so the first thing a lot of people say is wake up, drink water, drink like 32 ounces of water, kickstart your body, your metabolism, your digestion, you know, stuff that kind of not necessarily shut down, but almost did shut down while you were sleeping. Um, and I think that's why this is a myth is because people are like, oh, I, you know, I worked out in the morning and I, you know, I, I digested better and I had, you know, better hunk control of my hunger throughout the day. And that's, that is actually true. Um, but in terms of like, it's like some secret hack that morning workouts are the best for your metabolism. That's not true. Um, you can work out at night and still have a great metabolism. You can work out in midday and still have a great metabolism. And so I don't want you to think about like, oh, I have to work out in the morning to have the best metabolism. Um, as long as you have a morning routine that awakens your body, uh, you'll still have a good metabolism. Number six, exercising at night will make it harder to fall asleep. So flipping the spectrum, exercising at night will make it harder to fall asleep. I think this is a big one. Um, if you exercise at night and then tr- go home and try to fall asleep immediately, you're probably going to have trouble falling asleep. That would be like going to McDonald's and eating three Big Macs and then coming home and being like, got to go to bed. (laughs) Your body, you haven't even given your body a chance to calm down from what it, what, what, what's going, what's been going on. Um, when you do anything, your body has like two functions. It has, um, anabolic and catabolic, right? So your body's either building up anabolic or breaking down catabolic. When you're breaking down and you have, you know, you're in your catabolic system, um, you're not going to be hungry. You're not going to be tired. It's like when people are stressed and like everything's breaking down, you know, their body's breaking down things. When you work out, you're, you go into a catabolic, um, energy and, the idea of it is that you have to allow your body, your, your parasympathetic or your sympathetic nervous system, one of the two, um, to calm down and get back into an anabolic before things can happen, which is why people suggest, you know, don't drink water one or two hours before bed. Don't eat one or two hours before bed, you know, turn off your phone or like stop looking at your phone 30 minutes to an hour before bed. Um, all of that stuff, because you want your body to relax up from all the stress and from all the, you know, everything that's going on to be able to fall asleep at night. So, like I said, if you go exercise at night and then immediately come home and you're like, I got to turn off the lights, I got to close my eyes and go to bed. You're going to have a hard time. If you exercise at night, let's say 7 PM and you're not going to bed till 10 or 11, that's totally fine because you have enough time to go home, eat some food, relax a little bit, let your body kind of recover and like relax. If you ever, if you've ever had a hard, like a really, really hard workout, um, and you go, you get home, you're just like, I just want to sit down. Like, I don't want to eat. I don't want to think about anything. That's what I'm talking about. And I, you know, I have to freshen up on some of this stuff. Um, but you know, that's the catabolic versus the anabolic. And so when you're like, just trying to like veg after your workout, Um, that's your body being like, Hey man, like we just broke down a ton of crap. Um, we're going to have to get back into a rebuilding stage, like chill for 30 minutes to an hour and then we'll be good. And then, you know, once you get back into that, it's like, I'm hungry now or I'm tired now or whatever it is, but you have that kind of like vegetative state after a workout. 
So yeah, exercising at night doesn't make it harder to fall asleep unless you're trying to go home and immediately fall asleep. That was a long explanation of that. Number seven, protein powder is bad for you. Um, when I first started working out and I first took protein powder, my mom thought I was on steroids. That's a, that's a long story, but my mom thought I was on steroids. And the idea that protein powder is bad for you is something that a lot of people have been putting out. A lot of doctors have put out like, oh, don't take protein powder. Like you'll kill your kidneys. Um, protein powder is not much different. And I'm talking like whey protein powder, not like, you know, whey or whey isolate. I'm not talking like mass scanner that, you know, mass scanners have a lot of add additives in them, um, which won't kill you. Uh, but it's like eating, you know, vegan foods that have all those like fake additives in those to, you know, make it taste like meat. Um, I'm talking like wet, regular whey or regular pea protein um, is not much different than getting your protein from chicken or getting your protein from steak or getting your protein from pork, whatever it is. Um, and even those, you know, people can say like, oh, pork so much worse than steak and so much worse than chicken. Well, yeah you know, it's not as lean of a meat as chicken, but the, the fact is protein powder is, is not, it's not necessarily bad for you. And it's not necessarily good for you. Um, I would say it has more benefits than not benefits than disadvantages because it can be used to, uh, train your body to get to up to the protein standard that you need. Um, let's, you know, a lot of people under eat protein, so the idea that you can use it to be like, okay, you know, I'm at 140, I need to get to 180. Let's add in two shakes a day. Now, if you did two shakes a day for the rest of your life, uh, that may be too much protein powder. If you did six shakes a day for the rest of your life, that may be too much protein powder. It is a, it's a way to train your body. It's a gateway to eating more protein, to getting more protein in your system in an easy and simple way. And a lot of people don't realize that about protein powder is it's not, you know, it's a supplement. Supplements are meant to add on to an already good nutrition plan. If you can get 200 grams of protein without protein powder, props to you. You have to eat a lot though. Like it's a lot of food. It's about two pounds of meat a day, maybe a little bit more. And so, you know, maybe you have a pound and a half and a shake, you know, that's where you go from there. If you're, only source of protein is protein powder. It's like, think of it. This is going to be a really bad analogy. I know as soon as I put this out into the world, um, think of it as if you're trying to quit smoking and you smoke a pack a day, right? Ultimately it will be better for your lungs. If you went down to one cigarette a day, right? And then eventually finding something that gives you a dopamine release. That's not cigarettes and quitting all of it altogether. Right. When you first start working out and, you know, taking care of your nutrition and realizing you need to eat more protein, it is not the end of the world to add in a protein shake or two. Let's start. You start with two, maybe three. If you're crazy like me, <laughs> as soon as you get three done and you do that for months, you're like, okay, I can just up the serving size of my ground Turkey, or I can change from, chickpeas to some sort of meat that will get me more lean protein in one serving. Let's take out a shake. You're down to two, you know, do that for a few months, up some serving sizes. Let's take out a shake. You're down to one, do that for a few months, up some serving sizes, take out a shake. You know, you're, you're eating enough protein. Let's say you fall off track. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I need to get protein in. I'm, I'm on the road. Oh my gosh. When I was on vacation, I do this all the time. I'm on the road. Like I don't, I don't have access. We go out to eat all the time get some protein bars, get some protein shakes, restart the process. That's what protein, that's what, that's what that quick access protein is there for. It's meant to help you get back on track and be a supplement to an already good nutrition plan. It's not, a, it's not a cheat code. It's not like, Oh, let me just, you know, I need 106 grams of protein. Let me just have eight 20 gram shakes. That's not what this is. It is. Let's try to eat as much food as we can and throw a protein shake on top of it as for added benefit. And it, it, protein powder is not bad for you. Like, unless you got major kidney problems, which even that you can still have protein, um, is not bad for you. All right. Let's just start there. And 
there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to be like, oh, well, you didn't talk about this ingredient that I can't even pronounce. I'm going to be like, in the grand scheme of things, things, it's not bad for you. Unless you have underlying conditions that I don't even know about, right? Then the doctor would fill in and everything. But we're just going to move on. Number eight, and I kind of already touched on this, supplements are required for your training and for your nutrition and everything. Supplements are meant to supplement an already good nutrition plan. If you're using supplements to fill holes in your training and your nutrition plan, then you're not eating correctly. I know so many people that are like, oh, I need per pre-workout to get through a workout. I'm like, well, you're, you're not eating enough to have enough energy. Um, I need pre-workout to wake up in the morning. Well, you're not sleeping and recovering well. Um, now I will say that I do have four supplements that I recommend to everybody. Um, and number one is creatine. You can get creatine from the foods you eat if you need eat enough protein. Um, but it just helps. It's just like protein powder helps to have that added, added benefit of like raw creatine. Protein powder is number two. I think everyone under eats protein and, you know, they're never 100% with their protein unless you're like a professional bodybuilder. And even them, they do shakes sometimes. And so uh, protein powder, you know, especially on those days where you're like, I'm not as hungry. I want to have a shake instead of eating a pound of chicken. Number three is multivitamin. I think everyone can benefit from, from a multivitamin because we don't get enough vitamins and minerals unless you're eating the recommended amount of fruits, of fruits and vegetables and grains, which is, I think, absurd. Like, I, I know that that's a recommended about amount and people could do it, but like, that's a lot of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> five to nine servings of vegetables and five to nine servings of fruit every single day. Like, what? Um, and then number four is fish oil or some sort of oil that gets you some of those healthy fats and omegas. Uh, I, I know some people do flax oil. I've never done it. I only do fish oil, but I also know fish oil helps with inflammation, uh, and brain health. And I think that with all those four supplements, you can, you can really help your training and your nutrition. But like I said, it's not a cheat code. You still have to eat well. And those will just help you like progress a little bit more. Right. Number nine, you can overtrain if your workouts are too intense. Um, this is another one that I used to think was like, oh my God, I don't want to work. I don't want to work out too hard. I'll overtrain. And, uh, this was like after the phase earlier that I was talking about where I was like two a days, like all the time, like super intense. Um, Here's the deal. Unless you are like a world-class athlete who works out 14 hours a day, like, you know, Michael Phelps swimming in the pool or Kobe Bryant shooting at the gym, even that, like you are not at the level that you can even be talking about overtraining. 99% of the general pop population works out three to four days a week. And they're in there for 30, 30 to 45 minutes and doing three sets of 10 of everything. Um, unless you are a professional level athlete or a professional bodybuilder or a professional, um, power lifter, I don't think overtraining is something you have to worry about. Now, can you overtrain if your workouts are too intense? Um, I think that overtraining is, and this is just my, not even professional opinion. This is just my opinion. I think overtraining is based on, um, good pain versus bad pain. I think when you reach the limit of this is no long, this you know, the no pain, no gain is no longer benefiting me. It's like, I could be injured now. That's where overtraining comes in. Um, but a lot of people mistake good pain versus bad pain. They're like, Oh, like I started doing rows and my lower back just like fired on. So I was doing them wrong. It's like, no, no, no you just haven't used your lower back in years. It's like finally awakening, awakening. That's not a bad thing. Like if you bend down and pick something up and like, can't stand back up, that could be a bad thing. But you know, that's just, you know, you have to understand good pain versus bad pain. Um, but like I said, 99% of the people in, you know, in the general population don't need to, I, I don't think they need to worry about overtraining because it shouldn't be even meeting their vocabulary. And, um, it's very, very hard to do unless you do it professionally, unless you do all this professionally. Number 10s, we're halfway there. 
you need a gym to see results. You need to go to a gym to see results. I think this is a I think this is a, a common misconception because you can you can see results at home. Um, you can do body weight workouts, especially, and this is going to really. I think this will rattle some chains. I think it's easier for people who, to lose weight and to lose fat at home than to gain muscle at home. I think gaining muscle at home is something that's really really hard to do because you you know it's harder for you to find that extra weight and that extra resistance in order to challenge your muscles as much. Now, that's, we'll talk about that later, but um, I think it's easier for you, for you to lose weight or lose fat at home because you can do a lot of burpees, you can do, you know, high knees, you can do jumping jacks, you know, things that just get your heart rate up. It's like hit cardio, um, almost like sprinting on the treadmill for 30 minutes in a, you know, straight, you're just gonna sweat and burn a bunch of calories and whatever else. Um, but I, I also will go with this. You know, I think this myth is partly true. Um, imagine if you asked yourself, like, you know, how do I become a better reader? And then you never went to a library, like, or never ordered books online, or like, never, you know, never got new books. How are you, you know, how do you expect yourself to become a better reader altogether if you never go to a library and look at other books or never order other books? Um, so I think that this is this is actually partly true because I think that going to a gym would help, you know, expedite, not expedite, yeah, expedite, speed up your results because you have, you know, more access to equipment. It's an accountability thing, like driving to the gym, it's an accountability thing. Maybe you have a workout partner at the gym that you go to, whatever it is. So I don't think you need a gym to see results, but I think it definitely helps. Number 11, you need to be sweaty or sore every workout. I think being sweaty and sore is like one of the worst ways to measure a workout. Um, I'm going to go back to the reading example. This would be like measuring if you're a better reader based on how fast you can read or how many pages you can read in like 10 minutes. Um, you wouldn't get anything out of the reading, but you read really fast. This is how I feel about when people are like, oh, I just want to be sweaty and sore. It's, I'm just going into like destroy my body. I don't care how long it's, you know, measuring a workout on being sweaty or sore is one of the worst things. I'm, uh, this is, this is personal experience. Um, when you're hungover, you start sweating after like five minutes when you're, oh, when you're quote unquote overtraining, uh, you get sore like immediately. And you're like, Ooh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling from the other day. So would you just stop? Like, Oh, I'm sore. Like I'm not going to work out now. Um, you're, you know, you can't, there's no quantifiable measure of being sweaty or sore. So this is like the worst way to measure a workout and you don't need to be sweaty or sore. Some of my best workouts, I didn't sweat at all. Or maybe I had like that one bead of sweat come down the forehead and it looked really cool. Like those commercials and you don't need to be sore. Some of my best workouts, I wake up the next day or the, you know, the second day after. And I'm like, wow, that was a great workout. Like I'm not sore. This is awesome. Cool. So you don't need to be sweaty or sore every workout. In fact, you won't be sweaty or sore every workout. It'll only happen the first few months. And then you start, you know, accl acclimating to what you're doing and then change up the programming. You get sore again for the first few weeks or months. You know, you start to acclimate to what you're doing. Then you change, you know, it's a vicious cycle. Number 12. I think this is a big one. Weight loss is the goal. There's a common misconception that people are like, oh, I just want to lose weight. I just want to weigh a different number on the scale. You don't want to lose weight. You want to lose fat. If you wanted to lose weight, you could just cut out a bunch of calories, eat like nothing, just starve yourself. You would do a shit ton of cardio and you would end up, end up looking like that skinny fat look. That's like, oh, you know, they weigh less on the scale, but like, you don't really look like you work out and you don't really look good. So fat loss is the goal. Fat loss is the goal because you can still eat. You can eat the foods you enjoy. You just have to eat as much as you can while remaining in a calorie deficit. Um, you're not going to do a ton of cardio. You actually do more resistance training and you'll end up, you know, tone, lean, all of those buzzwords in the fitness world now, toned, lean, shredded, you know, maybe not shredded, but that's the goal is fat loss. Now, for your muscle gain people, this doesn't really apply to you, but weight loss isn't the goal. Fat loss is the goal. Your body will perform better. 
you'll feel better, you'll look better, everything will just be better. If you did weight loss, everything would feel like crap. You'd be like, oh my God, I'm starving and I have to go run three miles again. I just ran six or I just biked six and uh, I'm, I'm not able to sleep tonight because I got to, you know, I got to go swimming. I got to do more cardio. And you just, you would just feel like crap and perform like crap and everything would be crap. So weight loss isn't the goal. Fat loss is the goal. Number 13, too much protein is bad for you. I think I really already covered this in the, the protein powder is bad for you. Um, but I'm going to basically talk to you guys about a video I saw the other day where the lady was like, you know, we talk about the bare minimum of, of protein being uh, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, but we don't ever talk about the maximum. And when you're sick, you know, the bare minimum of, or like the, the required amount of vitamin C is 600 milligrams. But when you're sick, what's the first thing you think about? Oh, I should take some, you know, emergency. I should take some vitamin C and you're, you know, upwards of 5,000, 7,500, 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C because you're sick. And even doctors tell like, oh, go take extra vitamin C to help, you know, your body and everything. Protein's the same way. When you want to live optimally and you know gain optimal muscle and retain optimal muscle, why don't we know, why don't we ever talk about the maximum of protein? 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight is the bare minimum. The bare minimum. And I think people don't understand is like I go to the doctor and he tells me, Oh, you should be drinking a half a gallon of water per day. And I'm like, okay. I drink a gallon. He's like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're, you're above the minimum. And I asked him the last time I was at the doctor, I was like, wait, half gallon is the minimum. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. So why don't we talk about the maximum? He's like, oh, well, you know, we just want to keep the people above the minimum. So they, you know, don't feel like they're dying. When you talk about optimization of your body, there's, there's two different things that people, people talk about. There's the bare minimum to get things done and optimal results. If you walked into work and your boss just said, Hey, uh, send 10 emails today and, uh, call Jeff. You'd be like, that's it. Right. Some of you might be like, okay, cool. Easy day. I'll be done. I'll be out of here in an hour. But the idea is we don't ever talk about optimal versus bare minimum. And when it comes to protein, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight is the bare, bare minimum. So you have to think about it this way is, okay, how do I optimize protein? And that's why you know, everybody says one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 175, you should be eating 175 grams of protein. Now you can go a little lower than that based on your goal. If your goal is muscle gain, go a little higher, go like 1.2 to 1.6 instead of just one. If your goal is fat loss, you can go anywhere from 0.7 to one, but I wouldn't go below 0.7. Um, you want to be in the middle of those ranges. And the reason being is you don't want to be at the bare minimum, but if one, one gram per pound of body weight is too hard, you can start lower and work your way up. Like the gateway I was talking about with like the protein powder and stuff like that. And so you have to realize that we don't ever talk about optimization. We just talk about the bare minimum. So when you see, oh, 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, I only have to eat 40 grams of protein per day. That's what, that's what will keep you alive and will keep you like functioning, but not optimally. So it's really, really hard to overeat protein. Get back to the myth. Too much protein is bad for you. Like it's almost impossible unless you have like severe kidney issues and you do it for years. Um, you can Disclaimer, you can get kidney issues from eating too much protein, but most of the protein goes out as waste. Um, it's, you know, your body's on a constant cycle of up, upwards of 300 grams of protein a day. Um, so if your body's, you know, recycling 200 to 300 grams of protein per day, don't you think you should need to replenish 200 to 300 grams of protein per day? Probably. Number 14, too much water is bad for you. Uh, same thing. It's really, really hard. And I know some of you are going to be like, oh, I read an article about a lady who drowned because she drank too much water and blah, 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 blah. 
it's really, really hard to drink too much water. Overhydration is a thing, but uh, it's it's not a thing that like happens normally. Um, dehydration kills more people than overhydration, if that helps. <laughs> but um, here's the deal: same with protein. When you start drinking more water than you are now, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna experience a spark in energy. You're gonna be like, I have so much energy. You're also gonna experience a spark in the trips to the bathroom. Um, which isn't the end of the world. You're just peeing more, which means you're flushing out more toxins from your body, which means that you're, you know, things are flowing in your body better. You know, if you didn't pee or poop for four days, you'd probably get worried, right? You'd probably drink some water and be like, let's flush some things out. This is just a normal thing that should be happening. You should go to the bathroom three, four times a day. You know, you should excrete two or three times a day. It's a normal thing at the bare minimum, probably. Um, now, same thing with protein though, is when you start drinking, you know, let's say you start with 32 ounces and you know, you have a 32 ounce water bottle and you drink one of those a day, right? You shouldn't just jump to two gallons and be like, oh, I'm going to drink two gallons a day. Your body's going to go into like shock from jumping that far, you know, and that it's the same with everything. If you were lifting five pound dumbbells and then jumped to 500 pounds on the barbell, you'd kill yourself. You'd crush yourself. You wouldn't be able to lift it. If you jumped up protein, your kidneys wouldn't be able to handle it. If you jumped up water, you're going to be overhydrated a little bit. Um, it's just because your body goes into, you know, some sort of shock or some sort of state where it's like, you know, this is way too much change at once. And I, you know, I really want to read those articles and see if like, that's what it was, but you never know. Um, you have to take it in stages. You have to realize that a gallon of water is perfectly fine for most people. The majority of people, I would say 99.9% .9 of people, unless you have some underlying condition that you're allergic to water or something. So I don't believe that too much water is bad for you. I believe that the majority of people don't drink enough water. And yeah, that's a wrap on 14. 15, <laughs> you have to eat quote unquote healthy to lose weight. Um, this goes back to the fat loss versus weight loss. If you strictly just wanted to lose weight, you could just starve yourself. You could just eat nothing. You could eat one meal a day and that meal could be a Twinkie and you would lose weight. Um, now you may plateau eventually and stop losing weight because your metabolism has adapted. That doesn't mean you're in starvation mode. Starvation mode is a, not a thing. I should have put that on the list. Extra bonus already. Starvation mode is not a thing. Um, but you don't have to eat perfectly healthy to lose weight. Now, another disclaimer. If you eat healthier or more nutritious, I won't say healthier because I hate that word, uh, more nutritious foods, like if you choose an apple versus a donut, or if you choose chicken and rice versus Pizza Hut, your results will be better. You will lose more weight. You will lose more fat. That's just the truth. But you don't have to eat quote unquote healthy all of the time to lose weight. There is a balance to this. You don't have to completely deprive yourself of everything or restrict yourself of everything. And that's what you have to understand is that we put such an emphasis on healthy foods and healthy this and healthy that. You have to figure out what works for you. And sometimes that's enjoying Friday night pizza night with your family. And sometimes that is enjoying nachos at the bar with your friends. And sometimes that's enjoying that bag of Doritos that's been eyeing you for the last three hours and you're like, coach Greg told me not to eat it, but really I didn't because I said, just eat it. Um, you don't have to eat healthy to lose weight. Uh, but the more, more nutritious you do eat, the better your results will be. And the more fat you will lose along the way versus just weight. Number 16, you have to put a deadline on your goals. I think this is one of the biggest, biggest mistakes people do is put a deadline on their goals. Um, it's good to have deadlines. Uh, it's good to have kind of a, a time frame, not deadlines, could have a time frame of when you want your goal to happen. Make it realistic. Obviously, if you said, I want to lose 40 pounds in the next seven days, it'd be like, really? <laughs> but, um, you know, optimally you can lose about a pound a week. So if you said, I want to lose 50 pounds in the next year you might lose 20 in the first month. No, you might lose 20 in the first three months and then it'll start to slow down and you lose three a month for the rest of the year, ending up 
you know, somewhere around 50 or close to it. Um, but the idea of it is that I never said, you know, scratch that. Um, it's not putting a deadline in your goals. It's putting a time frame in your goals. I would like to lose 50 pounds in the next year. When you put such an emphasis on a deadline, it starts to stress you out every day. That's not based towards your goal then becomes like a negative day. And it really eats at your, your psyche and your mindset. Um, it can throw you off track or derail you even quicker. When you have a goal in sight, like I have a goal to eventually be a millionaire. I want to see the first six zeros in my bank account. I don't have a deadline. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm, I, I take daily or weekly steps to make that happen, but I don't like, I'm not rushing the process. I'm trusting the process. And I think that's where this kind of myth comes from is you, you know, you have to put a deadline on your goals. I think it's good if you can handle it. I think that if you can say, you know, a hundred days from now, I want to be 20 pounds down and mark it on your calendar a hundred days from now, but a lot of people can't handle that pressure. So you don't have to put a deadline in your goals, but you have to understand that a difference between a deadline and a time frame. You know, I would, I would like to achieve my goals in the next three months. And then after that, I'm going to do another three months goals. And then after that, six months goals, year goal, stuff like that. The other problem with putting a deadline on goals is that's where those 30 day, 30 day challenges come from. 90 day challenges, 60 day challenges. And they're like, oh, in 60 days, like on day 60, you're going to be 15 pounds down. And then there's like that question of like, well, what do I do now? Like you know, what happens after? When you put such a strict deadline on your goals, you're only shooting for that one date. So if you fall off track at all, or if you go out to eat, or if you whatever, like I said, it messes with your mindset and you're like, oh crap, like that date is coming up. Like I'm screwed. You end up throwing yourself off track, you know, binge eating everything in the world. And you, you know, all the results you made are now gone. Um, don't put a deadline on it. It's so much easier. Just put a time frame. Uh, and for, the girls out there don't be like, Oh my God, my wedding's in three weeks. I got to start working out. Prepare, do it a little sooner, you know, maybe like a few months or years in advance. Number 17, lifting weights will make you bulky. This one is also for the females. Um, I'm going to keep this one short and simple. If you think that going into the gym and picking up heavy weights will make you bulky. Do you also think that hopping in a car and driving will make you a NASCAR driver? No, I didn't, I didn't think so. Um, there are guys in the gym who lift heavy and lift weights every single day who can't get bulky. And for those of you who can't see me, I am pointing directly at me. <laughs> you won't get bulky from lifting weights. In fact, ladies versus men, females versus men, um, should be lifting heavy weights in order to combat the extra estrogen in their body. Um, and kind of like be able to retain more muscle and look good and you know, look toned and lean, all those buzzwords again, um, lifting weights will not make you bulky. Now, if you lift weights with the goal of being bulky, totally, totally, you totally can do it. Um, but lifting weights will not make you bulky immediately. It'll take years. Number 18, you will get stronger slash lift more weight slash do more reps every single workout, every single week. This goes back to the being sweaty and sore every single workout. Um, not all workouts are going to be perfect. Not all workouts are going to be great. Uh, they're, I wouldn't say majority, but probably 50, 50 split. The workouts are going to suck and you're not going to want to do it. And I'm not trying to like demotivate you guys, but like, I'm just trying to prepare you. The idea is that progress is not a linear thing. It never is. We always expect it to go in a straight line but it never does. You're not going to get stronger every week. You're not going to lift more weight every week. You're not going to do more reps every week. And you have to be okay with that. If you're not okay with that, you have to work on your mental progress before you can work on your physical progress. Because understanding that progress is not linear is one of the biggest things you can understand. And trusting the process versus just trusting the numbers. Num there is truth in the numbers. 
I I will agree to that. But those days when you don't want to do it or those days where you go work out and you're like, wow, that sucked and it completely throws you off track. That's what really makes people fail is the days that make them quit. And so if you understand beforehand, you won't get stronger every single week. Now you may for a long time get stronger all the time. And I might ask you, how the hell did you do that? But, uh, it, you know, I, I, I got stronger every single week or every single month for like three years straight, not in every lift though. Like it kind of like switched off, you know, I would get, you know, I'd plateau in one lift and then start focusing on another one. So I wasn't getting stronger in the same thing all the time. Um, and that's what you have to understand. It's like, you're not going to, you just won't. And the more you can understand the, you know, trusting the process with it all, the better progress you will see in the long run. Number 19. Oh, I already kind of talked on this one too. All low back tightness is bad. Um, there's a difference between good pain and bad pain, good pain. A lot of people will go to the gym first time ever. They'll pick up some weights and they'll start tossing them around. And they'll be like, wow, oh my gosh, like my arm is like, I can't bend my arm. Like I did something wrong. No, 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 no. Like, okay, if you fall on your elbow and you break your arm, like it's like twisted out, like the way it's not supposed to be, that might be bad. But if you just start lifting some weights and you're using proper form and your arm starts to pump up with blood because you've never used those muscles before and they're starting to wake up and they're starting to get some uh, delayed onset muscle soreness immediately, you didn't do anything bad. You're just using muscles you haven't used in a long, long, long time or in a different way than you're used to using. So going back to the low back, it's this is the first one that everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, whew, whew. Well, if you sit at a desk all the time, your low back is not used to having any load on it. So as soon as you put any load on it, it's going to twinge. It's going to act up. It's going to be like, this is not normal. Our bodies hate change. So any change that happens, your body's going to be like, oh, we don't like this. Probably should stop. And that voice in your head is going to tell you to stop and like, hey, this hurts, blah, blah, blah. Unless you physically break. And there's no good way to, there's no great way to explain it. The way I explain it to a lot of people is that, does it feel like I'm just pressing with two fingers on it constantly? Or does it feel like you got stabbed and they removed the knife? And they're like, oh, it just feels like you're pressing constantly with two fingers. I'm like, okay, that's soreness. That's not like you broke something or pulled something. Um, yeah. Not all low tightness, uh, not all low back tightness is bad. Number 20, last but not least. Oh, no, I have a bonus for you guys. Number 20, you need to change your workouts every single week. I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions. Um, the bare minimum you should change your workouts is four weeks. The only way to apply what's called progressive overload, uh, and if you don't know what that is, I'm pretty sure I did an episode on it. I can't remember now. Um, the only way to apply what's called progressive overload is to see how much progression you can make over a certain amount of weeks. Four, I would say is the bare minimum three. If you are doing like a deload process, um, you could also just do a deload week, but four is bare minimum for a regular program. Uh, I would say, and you can go up towards to like 16, 18 weeks, 20 might be the max. Um, that's my max personally. Uh, most of my programs I do for about 12 to 16 weeks. And most of the programs I give out, people do for eight to 12 because we want to see progress being made. And we want to see, this is going to sound really strange. We want to see plateaus being made. We, I want to see when, where people are plateauing with their strength, with their weight, with, you know, everything that's going on so that I can give them the next challenge. If you switch your workouts every single week, you're never going to know what you're actually making progress on or you know, everything's going to be just a motion. You're just going through the motions. You're not like actually applying action and making progress on any of these things because you're changing everything up every so often. Imagine if you switch jobs every single week, every place would be like, yeah, we're not hiring you anymore. Like you'd never, you, you would receive like small paychecks, but if you stay at a job for a long time and you, you know, progress through every, all the motions and everything, you start to receive more money, you start to get raises. It's similar to that. Not really. That was a really bad analogy as well, but Anyway, that was the 20 
fitness myths, debunking 20 fitness myths as a bonus. This is actually a really recent discovery for a lot of, for a lot of fitness professionals. It's actually, I can't remember the name of the study, um, but it came out a few weeks ago, about a month ago or something. Bonus fitness myth, rep ranges matter from muscle gain. And the article or the study that came out, came out and said, rep ranges don't matter as much from, from lean muscle gain as pushing your sets close to failure. So basically like three reps left in the tank. Um, so it, you know, they ran a study with a bunch of different people. It had some people do like eight to 12, had some people do like 20 to 25, I think. And then had some people do like two to five. Um, and their lean muscle gain was the same as long as they pushed close to failure with, you know, like three or less reps, reps left in the tank. So there used to be this, you know, if you're lifting one to five reps at strength, eight to 12 with hypertrophy, 15 plus is endurance. And you're not going to gain a lot of lean muscle and endurance. You're only going to gain strength and strength. Hypertrophy is the best for gaining lean muscle. Like that's the aesthetic one, blah, 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 blah. I do think there is fat loss benefits to those phases. Um, you know, if you do more endurance, you're going to get your heart rate up, you know, through longer bouts of exercise because you're doing 15 plus reps. But in terms of the muscle gain, I think all of that matters. And based on this study saying that all that matters is pushing your muscles close to failure, which means three or less reps left in the tank. So like I talked about earlier, if you're just going in and applying zero effort, you're not going to gain a lot of lean muscle. And so yeah, rep ranges don't matter for muscle, for lean muscle gain. It's about pushing your muscle, muscle, yeah, pushing your muscle closer to failure. And I should find that study and put it in the show notes, but that's a lot of work. So without further ado, this has been episode 20 of fan up, um, Dean bunking 20 fitness myths. My name is coach Greg. Uh, actually I have an update for you guys. I totally forgot to tell you about it at the beginning. I am coach. I was coach Greg of the limitless fitness Academy, but we just, we just changed our names. We are now the worthy warrior coaching and the worthy warrior Academy. Um, we're going to be more, we, we do a lot of fitness, but we're going to be more, uh, based on like personal development and life coaching with the fitness, with the mindset, with the business, with the lifestyle, all of that, you know, more about becoming worthy of yourself and, you know, mindset and fitness put together that mental progress and that physical progress, you're going to be unstoppable. Um, so you'll see a lot of stuff. I will stop po po posting as much about the LFA and start posting about the, like the WWC or the WWA, which kind of sounds cool. Cause it sounds like WWE, which is wrestling. Um, but anyway, that's a big announcement. I'm super excited. Uh, keep an eye out on my social medias on our website. I have to put that somewhere up here. Um, and as always, if you guys like the show or something resonated, please send it to a friend, send it to a coworker, send it to your friend's dog, uh, and leave us a review on Apple podcasts and keep sweating, keep smiling, and I'll talk to you guys soon.